0: Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunovet, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and Welcome everyone to another episode of Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. And joining me today is Scott Beebe, the owner and founder of My Business on Purpose. And I had a chance to go kind of dig around and learn a little bit more about Scott before we had a chance to get on. And you're going to enjoy today's interview. I think Scott and I are quite aligned on the way that we think about how we prioritize our lives and how we think about business And I know you're going to enjoy kind of hearing his story and his passion. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Eric, thanks. Thanks for building this show uh, so that we have a stage to be able to talk back and forth. So I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Hey, Scott, before we kind of get in too much to uh, in on kind of my business on purpose, your book, Let Your Business Burn, which I'm really, really excited to kind of talk about. But just tell us about you outside of the business.
1: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's a story behind everything, so feel free to to ask away. Ashley and I will be married 25 years this coming June, and mm-hmm. so she and I met at the University of South Carolina. Both of us are Gamecocks, uh, which you know, is sort of an up and down relationship with our <laughs> with our uh, with our alma mater um, in terms of winning and all those sorts of things. But hey, we met I went there. to
0: Texas A&M, so I know all about that.
1: <laughs> okay, yes, we welcomed you into our SEC families some some years back, and we actually. For the first time this year, I know I'm sort of time stamping this podcast. But at the time of this podcast, uh, South Carolina had never beaten Texas A&M until this year, and we were actually at the game, so that was a that was a treat. Uh, <laughs> may not happen again, but that's okay. Uh, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, Ashton I met. Uh, I grew up all over the country. My dad's an engineer, and so we just literally followed the work, um, as I mentioned off air. My dad's from Louisiana. My mom's from Louisiana, and uh, and then uh, they both went to LSU. Graduated and then we just followed dad around the country uh, as he did his professional engineering work. And then Ashley and I met in college. Uh, and then outside of that, we have three kids 21, 19, and 18 at the time of this recording. And uh, our oldest is going to be married in 50 days, uh, believe what? it or not. And so, oh, uh, which is, is coming fast, which is crazy. And so, we've got a lot going on. We've got a sophomore. Uh, son who is, uh, at a school called North Greenville and he's a runner and a cross country guy and track and all that. And then we've got our final child about to graduate high school. Uh, and he'll actually, as things would have it go to North Greenville as well. And he's going to play lacrosse up there. Mm. And so that's sort of our crew. Uh, and we have a mission as a family it's to create space and to be a light. Through adventure, wisdom, and time around the table, and we do a lot of the latter. We spend a lot of time around any table, and we don't. It's just not a, not just the table at home. We got to be creative as to where the tables are when you've got sk- kids scattered. <laughs> you do, and so the table sometimes in the car, sometimes it's at Chick Fil A, Chick-fil-A, sometimes it's on a bleacher seat, uh, wherever that table is. But we want to we want to create space and be alike mm. with time around the table.
0: I love it, Scott. What what are you passionate about right now?
1: So if I, if I were to laser focus that uh, in the next three months, personally, uh, which we, we've got a saying that we say all the time is that life and business necessarily intersect.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think it's naive for us to think that we can separate those things. I know we say, hey, i leave work at work. And it's just not possible yeah. uh, to be able to do that. But if I had to segment personally, what I'm excited about is we're going to have some of life's biggest milestones over the next three months. And so we've got a last child graduating. We've got a first child getting married. We've got 25 year wedding anniversary. We've got last prom last, you know, all of these things. Right. And so I'm really excited about, uh, working hard to be present in those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, in a, in a personal uh, standpoint. Um, and then from the business side of it, as these things merge together is, uh, we're, we're building a team. Our business um, started in 2015 mm-hmm. and we now have eight uh, full-time team members. Five of those are full-time business coaches uh, that serve about 61 business owners around the country. And so we're, we've are we got a vision uh, to have eight full-time coaches and serving 125 business owners uh, here in the next two to two and a half years. And so that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, I don't see much beyond that. <laughs> I, I like that size and that opportunity to be able to serve that, that group of people. Um, so, you know, is it a uh, 200, 500, I, I don't see that. And I don't feel like I need to go there right now, but I'm excited about that near-term vision that we've got.
0: Yeah, well, that's important. I I want to talk a little bit about what you were just saying. I mean, kind of like these moments are coming over the next few months, right? I mean, where life really starts to transition and you your number one goal is to be present and be intentional, right? Yeah. But what I imagine or what I know is that you work with a lot of business owners that those moments for some of them are gone and they missed it. Yes. Um could you here's what I know most business owners who are passionate about something so you're passionate about being intentional had an experience in their life where either someone else messed it up in a way that affected them or they mm-hmm. themselves messed it up or mm-hmm. something along that way. I'd love to yeah. know a little bit more your story about how you became passionate about being intentional.
1: Yeah. You know, um, and and it's a word that we'll carry as a theme throughout our conversation just now is this idea of intentionality. There's a lot of things that I cannot control. Mm. Uh, The intentionality of my own actions, I can control that. And so it's something that, man, I don't want to wake up in 5, 10, 15 years and look back and go, wow, I missed a moment to just kind of insert some intentionality into that moment. And so when I think about that word and and the element of intentionality, I think it it comes from places to where it's not so much me personally, but watching people outside of me. I've always been a guy that has tried to surround myself with mentors. And Mm -hmm. and I don't know that's out of a strength part of who I am or out of a weakness part of who I am. I'm not sure. It sounds really good when I say it out loud, but I actually think it's more out of a weakness that I've, I've tried to surround myself with particularly men who are older than me, mm. um, that are further along, that I respect where they're at, be able to learn. And one of the things that I've 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 heard a lot about is this idea of intentionality and really focusing. And I I, I grew up in a uh, spiritual setting to where a pretty I don't want to call it a fundamentalist church element, but anybody who's a part of any sort of Baptist or anything like that, I think, could look back over the last couple of decades and go, it's rel- relatively fundamental in terms of rules and. And, sure. and, and guardrails and some good, some not good. And so as I went through that, starting to realize that there were some things in my spiritual growing up uh, that I realized were more fundamental rules that really had no value. Mm. And I'll never forget, I was talking to a guy named Jeff Christofferson and another mentor of mine, Bob Roberts, and I asked him separately about 2004, 2005, I said, Hey guys, what do I need to be focusing on in my life? I was the late twenties, early thirties at that point. What do I need to be locked in on? Both of them in separate settings, asking the same question, at separate times responded with the same response. And they said, the kingdom of God, go after and read the everything that you can possibly read about the kingdom of God. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I mean, it sounds again, it sounds very religious, right? And so when I started going through, and there's some biographies of Jesus in the first four books to the latter half of the book and uh, of the Bible, and so I started reading through and hijacking every reference to what was made of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and I started looking at this. I'm like, this flips everything that I think I have been convicted by and believed in. But the one tenant or thread that I saw through all of it was this idea of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, there, there's a campaign going on right now? He gets us. I've seen it. It was on yeah. the Super Bowl and some other places, and. The thing I enjoy about the campaign is it seems like they're trying to display Jesus as a very intentional insertion mm. uh, minded person. and that's that's what I want to do is I, I don't I, I won't grab everything along the way, but I don't know that I'll miss as much as I would have had I not been intentional. And so mm. I think that's where that came from was really having mentors going, "Hey, I want you to lock in here, yeah and see those elements for what they are,
0: yeah. Um, with the work that you do, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move a little bit around here, but yeah, you got the, the name of your book. Tell me where the name "Let Your Business Burn" came from.
1: Yeah, so well, I, you hear uh, all over the place. We work with business owners between two and fifty employees, and so what you hear is the narrative over and over and over again. Scott, I'm constantly putting out fires, right? Mm. I'm constantly spinning plates, juggling balls, throwing hail marys, the whole thing. We've actually in our vision story, we've got a whole section of quotes that we have hijacked from business owners uh, <laughs> to train our team what to listen for, right? Because it's the same stuff over and over. And that's one of them. And so a buddy of mine, uh, it was a guy named Jesse Cole. He's actually a fantastic guy. He's like a modern day PT Barnum. He owns a uh, a team called the Savannah Bananas. And uh, yeah. they're starting to, yeah, come a thing, a banana ball is starting yeah. to grow. And actually they're about to launch back up this year again. And so it's a little bit Harlem Globetrotters, but for yeah. baseball and totally fascinating. And so Jesse and I were having lunch, I don't know, it's a few years ago, right before the book came out. And I was really struggling with the title. And Jesse's got this philosophy. By the way, he was in his yellow tux and yellow top hat what he? It, every time he goes out in public. And uh, so we'd walk in, and, like, it's just my buddy Jesse, and everybody's looking. I'm like, what are <laughs> they looking at? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. And so we're sitting there, and I said, hey, man, I'm really struggling just with the title of this book. And he's, and he's got this philosophy that says, whatever, everybody, whatever everyone else is doing, do the opposite. Hmm. And it sounds cool. And so we sat there and he goes, Scott, what, what's, what's, what's everybody saying in your world? I said, well, constantly putting out fires, constantly putting out fires. I said, but Jesse, if I were to do the opposite, it doesn't make any sense. The opposite is just let your business burn. Hmm. We don't want that. And he looked at me, and he goes, I love it. I think it's a <laughs> brilliant title. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And he said, just think about it for a minute. So we sat and thought. I was like, oh my gosh. And it hit me. The majority of business owners, they wake up every day and they look out on the landscape of their business and everything that their business impacts people, places, vendors, subcontractors, et cetera. And there's little fires everywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. little problems that have just been set everywhere by different people, scenarios, situations, whatever. And what I realized is business owners spend their time putting out 90% of the fires. That are never a threat to the building, mm. and so it would just be better if you just let it burn, just let it burn, and eventually to run out of fuel. Instead of taking your time and attention oh. to be able to go put that one out, put that one out, put that one out. By the time you look back, your house is actually on fire. Yeah, by the yeah. one fire that was threatening to burn it down. And so that's where the title came from.
0: Well, I love it because what I was what I was thinking as you were even saying that is, you know, it's I'm going to give you a secondary title. It's just basically it will burn if you don't focus on the right things. And I think that that's what fascinates me about the work that you're doing. And I loved as I kind of kept looking through your website um, and you're kind of, we talked about this before you came on, this idea of work as faith. um, Is, you know, so many business owners are so focused, like you said, on the bottom line in the business that they miss the intentionality of Mm. the moment and Mm. they don't wake up to the fact they should have been intentional until they've burned it all to the ground. Mm, they burn yeah. their business. They burn their relationships. They burn everything mm. for the sake of pursuing that success. What are you seeing right now as you're going on, going out, especially kind of we live in this post-COVID environment now. It feels like a lot of business owners are waking up to, boy, it's time to change because something's not working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So uh, actually this afternoon, I'll be sitting down with a client of ours. They're an architecture firm here locally and They do a monthly chat and it's part of that insertion of intentionality so that they as a team can have chat together. And so one of the principals asked, hey, can you come over and and just talk with us about some of the things that you're seeing right now and trends that you're seeing? And one of the things that we're going to be talking about is this idea that uh, when you grow up, you need to grow up. And what's happened during the pandemic years is we actually became more childlike In the Mm -hmm. pandemic years, in a a weird sort of twisted way is what we wanted is we took um, the fear and the flexibility that came in through the pandemic time, and we tried to minimize the amount of time we put towards work and maximize Mm -hmm. the amount of time we put towards leisure. Well, that's what children try to do um, is they, they won't, they want to play and play and play and play. Well, God gave us time to play for sure. We need to, in fact, we need to play more than we do, quite honestly, in the Western culture. We need to have fun more than we do, um, in the Western culture. And yet at the same time, I feel like what the last uh, few years of the pandemic really began to highlight was this I can, I can, I can work four hours a day or five hours a day, but I can sort of go and do this and this and this and this. And so as long as I start at seven and end at five, even though I'm working about three or four hours doing all this distracted stuff in between. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about even today is when you grow up, you have to grow up and Mm -hmm. there's grown up things that we have to be able to have as our responsibility to do. We got to remember that God gave work to us as a gift. It was the very first thing that he really did for us is we tended the garden, right? And we worked the garden. And so one of the things that we're really beginning to highlight is this idea of being spent and satisfied. I don't Mm. want you to be exhausted and miserable. That's not my goal. My goal is for you to be spent. I want you to be fatigued and Mm. satisfied. And so obviously sports is a great metaphor for this, but you get to the end of a game, whether you won or lost, the question is the old adage, right? Did you leave it all on the field? Did you leave it all on the field? So, In other words, are you spent? Did you give everything you absolutely could give, even though the outcome wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be? Mm. And so that's one of the things that we're having to see right now. And the way that we're bringing intentionality into that, as a poet, Annie Dillard, she she wrote this, uh, this is probably not one of her seminal writings, but she wrote actually about a weekly schedule, like a a weekly schedule, like a a spreadsheet uh, on a weekly schedule. And we have a tool called the ideal weekly schedule where we have every client write out what would your ideal week look like? Um, full, full of work, not not just you know screwing around. But what would your ideal week look like if you could devote this amount of time to estimating, this amount of time to marketing, this amount of time to whatever, uh, all the elements of your role? And so you could put in that in there. And Annie Dillard said this about the weekly sh- schedule. She said, "It is a net for catching days. Mm-hmm. It is a defense against chaos and whim." and then she said a weekly schedule is willed and faked and so brought into being willed and faked and so brought into being the idea of intentionality is to will something and to fake something until it becomes real you did it with this podcast this podcast didn't exist yeah you willed it you sort of faked it right the old fake it till you make it sort of yeah, thing
0: yeah you faked
1: it and now it's a thing you know right. it's a full scope thing and and i want you to think about this eric not only for you but everybody listening the value that you've brought to the people listening and to me as somebody who's got something to share, would not be here had you not willed it, faked it and been intentional to bring it to mm. us. And mm. so there's value in taking tools. So what we've done is we we build little tools like Ideal Weekly Schedule. we built something called the Culture Calendar. It's really great, I'll, I'll tell everybody they can go make their own right now. And the Culture Calendar is this, we, 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 we kind of think of culture like it's across our fingers, sort of, oh, Eric, you're so lucky you've got good culture. No, no, no. Culture is not a business idea. Culture, we stole it from science. Culture is a, a biology term. Hmm. And so you think about the yep. Petri dish yep. in you know, sixth grade science class and what did all the guys in class do? We spit in it, put it under the microscope, see what's floating around in there. Every time I say that story, like in a live audience, all the ladies in the audience are like, that's disgusting. I'm like, yeah, but we all did it. you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> and- but but you, you you've got this Petri dish. Well, the idea of the Petri dish is whatever goes into the Petri dish, the ingredients that you put in, when it's subject to, to heat, moisture, time, light, something grows out. Well, the question is, what grows out? Well, it's whatever you put in, that's yeah. it. It's, yeah. it's 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 that simple. And so with culture, we think culture is made up of you know you beanbag chairs in the break room, soda fountains, lunch on Fridays, you know unicorn rides for the kids, and all this stuff, ping pong tables. No, 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 no. Culture is what you want it to be. It's whatever the ingredient that you put in that comes out. And so the mm. ingredients of culture we like to talk about are agenda-driven, leader-led, predictable team meetings. Mm. If Businesses would just start to do that. Yeah. Um, every other Every other week, check-ins between owners and their key leaders, key leaders and the people who report to them, to sit down for 10 minutes with five prescribed questions, Where have you seen us live out our mission and values? What are you seeing and thinking? What blind spots do you have? What do you need from me? And here's what I see in you. Mm -hmm. Like doing that once, twice a month. That's culture building, right? Yes, of course, we're going to go play ping pong. We're going to go bowling. We're going to do whatever. But those are the easy things. What are the hard things? Reviewing Mm -hmm. your vision every other month as a team. Doing check-ins, weekly meetings, um, uh, remembering somebody's birthday. I'm
0: horrible at that.
1: Yeah, we have it on our culture calendar. So our culture calendar is a spreadsheet that goes week by week at the top. And all those ingredients on the, what is that? The vertical axis on the left-hand side, we put the ingredients there. And then we go out week by week at the beginning of the year. And we plan out the whole year based on check-ins, team meetings, coaches meetings, directors meetings, time away, trips, birthdays, anniversaries, all that stuff is on the left side. And we map it out. And so on Tuesday morning this past week, Thomas, one of our coaches leads that team meeting for us. Mm. And he walked us over to that week, which was this week. And we went down and we went, oh my gosh. And I can tell you it's Sadie Gray's birthday next week. I would uh, not have known that. Right, That is a daughter of one of our coaches. Mm. So I wouldn't have known that, but yeah. now I know it. And so yeah. now I could do something meaningful, like an intentional, like send a message.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Hey, so you said you started business on purpose, uh, my business on purpose, 2015. That's right. So what was the catalyst? What was kind of the, where were you doing before? What caused you to kind of launch into this?
1: Yeah. So I went to seminary right out of college Yeah, and I worked in business while I was in seminary. I was so rare. It was, I I was on campus. I'm like, this is a foreign language to me, (laughs) what these people are speaking. Like quite literally, I'd come home at night and ask Ashley, Hey, I heard somebody say this. What does that mean? Mm. And so I I needed to get off campus. And so I worked in business for a real tiny subsidiary of Thompson Reuters at the time. And then out of seminary, I did what most seminarians do. I went and sold drugs uh, (laughs) legally for Pfizer um, for a couple of years. And then I went and worked on a church staff for a couple of years. And so Eric, I was flip-flopping because Mm. I was trying to get my ministry and my business to merge and I didn't know how to do it. Got it. Yeah. And so, um, then went back to work for Pfizer, helped a guy plant a church, involved deeply in Nigeria. And so we're again, trying to make all this stuff merge. And in 2013, the organization that we'd been volunteering with for years in Nigeria asked if I would leave Pfizer and come be their executive director, basically. And so uh, it was a long process, finally decided to do it. And then about a year and a half in, in February 27, 2015, to be specific, uh, we had a straight up board coup d'etat. I don't know any other way to put it. We had nine board members and eight of the nine board members had resigned on the spot. Now there's a huge backstory as to why. Um, and one of the board members was running a fundamentally a, a coup, uh, a mm-hmm. roundabout coup to grab all the power of the organization and what it was doing. It was really sad. And uh, these are all really highly respected Dallas and Fort Worth business people that, uh, that were on the board had been there for like years and years and years. These weren't newbies to the board or anything like that. And uh, they had sort of gotten shenaniganed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was, I wasn't a board member. I was obviously the, you know, susceptible to the board. (coughs) And so they dissolved the position that I was in before the, before those eight of nine board members resigned because they didn't want me essentially in that position, having to work under this sort of leadership. And so that was on a Friday, February 27th. On a Monday, I called two of my friends who are both business owners, by the way. And they they had some backstory in context of what was going on. And I said, hey guys, uh, I'm going to start business coaching. And uh, they're like, oh man, yes, that's perfect. And I said, well, good. I'm going to coach both of you. And they're <laughs> like, all, all right. Like, wh- what do you want to coach us on? And I said, I'm going to be really honest. I don't know. <laughs> um, I said, what what do you need? And they were like, Well, we don't, we don't know. And so I went back to some of the things that I had been trained on, um, of vision, mission, values. And I said, Hey guys, do you guys have any idea where you're headed as an organization? Mm-hmm. These guys have built multi-million dollar businesses at this point. And they're like, We don't have a clue. They're both in their 30s. Yeah, we don't have a clue. We're just like growing. That's it. And I we don't even know if we're making money. Uh one of them told me. And so I put together a Full day, I'll never do this again, but I put together a full day vision, mission, values workshop. Don't ever put a driver owner personality in a room for 10 hours. right? And, uh, both of them were so gracious. They paid me for it, uh, at a fee that I'm super embarrassed to even admit that I was excited about. And uh, a couple of weeks after that, one of the owners, I sat down and did a follow-up with him and I said, here's what you wrote. And I had this vision story and it was so clarifying to him. And he goes right across the conference table. He goes, what What do we do now? And I said, I, I, I think we need to start meeting every week. <laughs> and he goes, I'm in. How much? And I, I just, I'm telling you, Eric, I just made it up on the fly. And uh, and I said, this is what it's going to be per month. And he goes, let's let's do it. He's still a client today, by the way. Wow. I met with him yesterday. And so um, that's how the business started. And for the first three or four years, it was me and a great team member named Jesse, who I paid with books at the beginning because I didn't have any money. And then we paid a very low something just so that she could help. She was a stay-at-home mom and wanted to help. We knew each other. And uh, now Jessie is our full-scope Director of Client Connections. Wow, uh, She can coach with any coach that we've got. She's extraordinary. And uh, just about every one of our clients interacts
0: with her at least weekly or every other weekly. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. What is... um. Let's go back to kind of where you said this started, where you had a mentor tell you to really kind of go dig into scripture and what God said about the kingdom. What was maybe the greatest or most compelling revelation that came out as you really dug into kingdom?
1: Dallas Willard wrote a great book um, way before he passed. And it was called The Divine Conspiracy. I've never, ever, ever read Jesus's words the same since I read his book. And in there, he takes uh, the old the old Baptist adage of repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? So Mm -hmm. anybody that grew up in old time church, you heard that. Sometimes you heard it with a guy. I mean, we literally on the Carolina campus had guy with bullhorns and posters, you know, (laughs) turn and burn, repent, repent for the kingdom is near, all that stuff. So what have I been washed with my whole life? And then I read the divine conspiracy and Dallas Willard says, all right, here's the verse, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he puts it in what he sees as Jesus's vernacular. And he goes, hey, hey, Turn around, the kingdom's standing right in oh, front of
0: you. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Just, just turn around. The, the The kingdom's right here in front of you. And it, oh man, it gives me chills. Even going yeah, back, yeah. No it. kidding. To 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 think about the intentionality, the the gentleness, the kindness, the directness, all of those things of just looking at it differently, mm-hmm. and so. Now and and now we've got these uh these shows the chosen are coming out. Man, I've got more texture on Jesus and I don't even know if it's close to being right. I, right? and yeah. I frankly yeah. don't care. Um what I care is it's twisting my brain to be able to see the gospel not as a cartoon narrative from my childhood, but mm-hmm. as a if Jesus was sitting here in this room with me. How would his eyebrow move when he hears a certain thing I say or that person says or whatever. And so I I I would say And those two guys actually both put me on to Dallas Willard. So I would say that that was a turning point for me, then pushing me towards that. And then they resourced me to be able to go see Jesus in a completely different perspective.
0: Mm, Which is what you're really doing inside of all the business work that you guys are doing. I mean, I can see- Yeah, our business is our
1: mission. So there there was a whole movement for a while, business as mission. And really what it meant for a lot of people was, I'm gonna fake a business and then work in Jesus, sort of a bait Mm -hmm. and switch. And I'm sitting around, I'm going- well, That's a lot of unnecessary effort. <laughs> right. Why don't Why don't we just be generous, be kind, be um, direct, be accountable, be all of those things? Let me live this stout. And I had I, I got to a lacrosse game the other night, Eric. This is on Valentine's Day, and I got to a lacrosse game. I was excited to be, you know, Ashley and I. We have to spend our Valentine's Day our anniversaries, you know, at, at ball fields uh, for this stage of our life. And I was there. And I was just excited to watch my son play lacrosse. It's his senior year, and I wanted to yeah. see the last. And I had this dad sitting in front of me. Turned around and goes, "Hey, man, uh, I've got a relationship with this guy." But he turned around and he goes, "Hey, I got some real serious God questions." And I'm like, "All right." And in my mind, I'm thinking, "Man, I really want to watch some lacrosse. <laughs> um, you know, can we do this some other time?" And he just launches right into him and right. like real deep. God questions. Now that's an exception that doesn't happen very often, sure. but his respect for me comes from my work with the business community. Mm. And the reason he's got respect for me is because of what we've done with and for, um, the business community. And so, and, and we're not out, we don't have fish on our business cards. We don't, yep. we don't do any of that. We're, we're a, a full fledged profitable business entity. And we Uh, We talk about um, profit dashboards. We talk about all kinds of stuff, money, everything. We talk about it. But what we found is what Jesus has said is right. And I'm banking on it. He said, where your money is, that's where your heart is. And Eric, it is fascinating to us. We could go by client. The ones who have opened up their finances to us the most are the ones that do the work the most Mm. of what we ask Mm -hmm. them to do. The ones that sort of try to keep that guarded from us are the ones we have the hardest time with. Yeah. Hands down. Oh, wow. And so, but Jesus, I learned that from him. I didn't, it's not a Peter Drucker-ism, you know? (laughs) It's Jesus said, where your money is, your heart is. And so as I'm starting to read that, and I also don't want to apply, there was a book a while back talking about Jesus and leadership and all that stuff. I don't want to cherry pick Jesus for a leadership principle talk. I just want to look at like what he said and then go emulate it. Go, okay, let me take that and go do the same um, right here. So we tell business owners, Hey, t- t- like you're putting out all these fires. Hey, turn around. And, and we've got this roadmap up here. Yeah. And, hey, t- turn around. We've let's let's walk together. Mm. Just together. And we're not saving them, but we're taking that mindset of, hey, just just turn around. If I can yeah. just get you to turn around for a second, lose the distraction over there and lock in on something intentional. Then we can begin to walk in a way that's going to be valuable to you.
0: Mm. Mm. Scott, we could keep going on. I'm going to run out of time. <laughs> I am. But I mean, you, this is so, so powerful. Is there anything you didn't get to share that you wanted to share when we started the interview?
1: I, I I mean, I think if anything, you know, our mission is to liberate owners from chaos so that they can make time for what matters most. And that's every day when I get out of bed. I mean, literally every day when I get out out of bed, I, that's, that's one of the things that runs through my mind is how can we find another little way to liberate somebody from chaos. And I think if there's a parting sort of message, it's that chaos exists. It will always exist. We will never rid ourselves of it, but we can quarantine and partition ourselves off, off of it and learn that when it hits us, we can do something where we don't have to sit in that chaos Mm. and we can make time for things that really matter um, at work or at home or wherever that might be.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Your book, Let Your Business Burn is available. I assume it all major locations. Uh, Amazon.
1: Yeah. Just go to Amazon. It's all right there.
0: And then um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, follow what you've got going on, and then share that resource we were talking about before the show Yeah. Started. If you just
1: go to our website, which the resource is there, if you go to mybusinessonpurpose.com and then put a forward slash healthy. So mybusinessonpurpose.com dot com forward slash healthy. We've actually created a really cool multi-question health assessment, but it's a health of your business and it's the back end health of the business. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, the, the profit metrics, it's the vision mission values, metrics, job roles, org charts, all that stuff. Does it exist into what extent? And it will actually give you a score between zero and 45 and sort of show you the, the bottom line health, uh, of the back end, the things that people don't see. And yeah, so uh, I'm going to encourage yeah.
0: all my listeners. We're going to put that in the show notes. Please yeah. make sure go do take that assessment. Um, golly, so rich. I feel like we could go on. I wish they didn't make me stop, but, they do. um, <laughs> Scott, it's been a pleasure having you here. I, my last question is always the same and I'm fascinated by what your answer will be in three generations. What do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you?
1: Well, Tim Elmore writes a book, a new kind of diversity. And in it, he says one generation remove, we want to replace them. Uh, like, like, we will never be like them, right? Two generations removed, which are our parents, basically, we say, uh, I'm not gonna raise my kids like they raised me, right? But it's interesting. And we're seeing this played out three generations removed, we want to be them. And so now what's happening, my kids are buying record players and vinyl records, right? Just like three generations ago. And so what I want, uh, to be number one, I want to write as much as I can write and publish as much as I can publish because I likely won't have a direct relationship three generations down, but if they can read my words and hear my recordings, Oh man, what I wouldn't give for my you know grand and great grandparents to be able to do that. Like that yeah. would be extraordinary. And so I want to leave and intentionally leave that legacy. And if there's one word written on my headstone, if it's the word intentionality, then yep. that's I'll win. I'll win yeah. at that point.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love everything about what you're doing. Scott, everyone, make sure mybusinessonpurpose.com. Go check out the work that they're doing. Scott and his team, um, especially from a kingdom perspective, I thank you for everything that you're doing in the industry and to help business owners get their priorities right. So Scott, thank you for being here.
1: Eric, sincerely, thanks for making this. I really appreciate it. It's hard work, what you're doing for the <laughs> podcast. It, you don't just flip a switch and it gets done. So I'm right. really, really for, great. Uh,
0: <clears throat> I wish that was the case. Yeah. Um, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. We'll be with you again for another episode. Thank you again. Have a great day. God bless you. Eric L. Dunivett here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunovant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining Success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media and we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So If you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.